Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Every week we hop on a roller coaster, share laughter and tears on topics we might be ashamed to discuss. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. As you know, we have been having a series of different conversations, but this one is near and dear for me because I am the mom of a teenager, and um, it's so important for us to um, not only hear from them, but to build a better relationship with them because let's keep it real, raising a teen is not easy. Oh my goodness. So of course I had to have an expert on the podcast and she's here with us. So Dr. Kim, say hi. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So Cameron Coswell, Dr. Kim is a developmental psychologist, family coach, teen expert, certified professional success coach, author, and inspirational speaker. She is on a mission to help parents build strong, positive relationships with their teens through improved communication, connection, and understanding. Dr. Cam is a mom of a teen too. So not only does she talk the talk, but she walks the walk. So thank you, Dr. Cam. And that's something that we share both having teens. So I'm so excited for this conversation. I work with adolescents and I have my own adolescent at home and I think it's different when you're working with them and then when you have them in your home because you're just like, I don't know if today's going to be the day I might go to jail. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So Your emotions are all bought into it when it's your own child. Oh my God. Yes, they are. It's like you forget every clinical skill, everything that you use during the day and working with traumatized adolescents and families and then you get home and you're like, let me tell you something. It goes all out the door. So I thought it would be super cool not only to have teenager ask you a question, aka my son and one of his friends, um, but also just some questions that I had for you because I think we have to kind of see both sides of what your expertise, you know, it'll be amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and why you decided to focus on teenagers? Sure. So I was... um taking, I was in psychology, which I loved, and I taught an adolescent psychology class, and it was my favorite class to teach. Oh, I took that class. I I said I took that class in undergrad. Yeah, (laughs) I taught that class. So um, I had lots of students in my class that were also parents, Mm -hmm. and they kept coming up to me saying, what I'm learning in class is completely transforming my relationship with my own kid. Mm. And I had this epiphany that Teens are acting out because they feel misunderstood. Yeah. And teens feel misunderstood because they are misunderstood. Absolutely. If more parents had access to this information that we were teaching in this class, I believed it could completely transform their relationships with their own kids as well. Hmm. Because they would understand them. And I know how tough it was to be a teen. I still remember how tough it was. Oh, Lord. I know. I I work with teenagers all the time. And I know how tough it is. And I talk to parents all the time that are equally frustrated. They love their kids. They want to do the best for them, and they don't get them. Oh, yes. They get angry. And there's just these power struggles. And so it just, it became my calling. I just really, really became passionate on connecting those two 
um, and clarifying and, and helping them understand one another. And it's so rewarding to see both sides, just this look of clarity, yeah. this aha moments when they get it or this, when their shoulders just kind of relax out of like relief of, Oh, I'm not crazy. This is, this is normal. Now I understand how to handle it. So can you tell us about the work that you do with parents and teens? So a, a parent comes in to you and it's just like, my teenager is doing this, 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 and this, and this. And the teenager was like, well, you don't listen to me. And this is the problem. Or I don't even want to deal with you anymore. I want to go here. I want to go there. So can you tell us about like the work that you do when you see a family coming to you in distress? Oh, yes. So a lot of times it starts with a parent coming to me saying, can you fix my teen? <laughs> um, and that's pretty common. And it turns into, it's not the teen that needs fixing. It's not the parent that needs fixing. It's the connection. That mm. needs it's the understanding between the two that needs fixing. The connection. So what I do is I start by explaining to both of them what's going on when you're an adolescent. So a lot of people, and, and I love when the kids see it too, because they're like, oh, I'm not crazy either. Why I act this way. Mm -hmm. And so I start really by explaining the, the developmental process and how at that point, it's your brain is actually developing faster than it ever has in your entire life, except for infancy. And it starts from the back where the emotion part of our brain mm -hmm. develops. And that's fully developed. Mm -hmm. And the prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain, which is controlling everything, it's the decision maker, that doesn't develop till late 20. Yes, it's so, so underdeveloped. Or you're... It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in speaking about emotions, um, can you tell us like what eliciting techniques you have to engage both the parents and the teen? Especially like with parents who are not receptive or accepting of their role in the situation. So that's the toughest part. And it <laughs> usually will take some some time. And there are some parents that just aren't willing to accept that. But mm -hmm. from my perspective, it's more do you want to change? You know, if you if you want a change in the dynamic, if you want things to be less chaotic at home. Mm -hmm. You need to then embrace your piece of it. There's nothing we can do to change somebody else. Even if it's your kid, you don't have the ability to change their reaction to you. You, you can change your reaction to them. So it's a matter of getting to the point of, do you want change? Oh. And if you do, the only person that you have control over changing in this situation is yourself. Mm. And especially if the emotions are really heightened, when we match our kids and their emotions and we get angry and they get angry and we get angry. Well, if you think about it, the teens don't even have the capacity yet to calm that down. Only the adults do. Mm. So if we're going to fuel that, there's nowhere it's going to go. That's good. It just isn't, it's not going to get better. So the only way is in those situations to calm it down is if the adult, the parent is the one to calm it down. I feel like you're talking to me. I feel like you're talking at me, Dr. Kim. <laughs> I'm, I'm, much I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here like. This time. Because we get, <laughs> when our emotions get triggered, it's the same thing. We get caught up in it. Right? Yes. And it's 
hard to think rationally when we're emotional. And nobody yep. in the world can push our buttons and make us more emotional than our kids. It just is. Yeah. So it's really becoming aware of what's happening, aware of how we're reacting, and training ourselves when we're calm how to react more effectively when the situation comes up. So if we know we're constantly getting in the same battles with our kids, we know it's going to come up, to think beforehand, okay, the next time this happens, I'm going to react this way instead. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to be calm. If I'm not calm, I'm going to ask, say, I need a timeout. Mm -hmm. Not you. Nothing's wrong. I need to be calm in order to handle this situation. Now, this is why I say I feel like you're talking to me because just this early this week, I was just like, you, you got to do something. This, uh, this homeschooling thing is just is driving me nuts because I'm, oh, I'm still, it, I'm still is- working, but he's home. So I don't know if you're really doing all your work. I worked from home for the first time and I was like, why are you listening to music? Why are you, why are you not focused on your schoolwork? You need to read. You need to do this. Get off of the video game. So I just found myself nagging this entire week. Why are you playing so many hours of video games? I gave you a time limit. This is like, it's just been madness. And you're right. You know, we, we have a lot to do with controlling it. I think for parents, and I'm raising my hand. Um, the repetition of things like, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? How many times I got to? How many times? Didn't I tell you? How many times we're going to have this conversation? What did I just say? Oh my God. We have this, we have this need, and it, it's, it makes sense. Like, our, our job is to raise good kids, yeah. right? And our job is to teach them how to be respectable how to do what's acceptable, how to be responsible. And we end up, though, getting in this rut of nagging. Yes. And criticizing. Yes. And I don't think we even realize it. I think if we recorded ourselves, we'd probably be a little mortified on how hard we are on our kids. Oh, I know I'm hard. I know. I'm... We're doing it from, for the right reason. Yeah. But our kids are only hearing us nag, 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 mm-hmm. nag. And then we don't understand why they don't want to hang out with us or we don't understand why they disrespect us or why they don't do what we say. Well, I don't think we would do what we say if we were being taught to treat it that way either, to be honest. Right. I'm not saying that they get away with everything. Not a chance. We know they don't make great decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. They just don't. Um, But it's also building that connection so that it's not about nagging, it's about teaching, it's mm-hmm. about coaching, it's about guiding them to what, to the right things and to teaching them what we want to teach them. It's not about pushing them to it because our goal in the long term is to be able to send them off into the world with the tools that they need to make the choices on their own. And if we're constantly making those choices for them, when they're home, they're not learning how to do it on their own. Yeah. And it, it not only like making the choices, but I think I find myself sometimes in the conflict cycle of saying, um, I didn't get away with that as a teenager. I, you know, my parents did this and you're lucky you got this. And I think you're spoiled because I had to work at this age and you're getting this for free. So you need to appreciate it. And you, this, and, you this. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I get into this thing where I'm just like, why do I keep throwing it into my son's face? Where it's like, 
all that I do for him just because I'm doing more than what my parents were financially capable of doing. Right. Well, I think there's an expectation too as parents. We do a lot for our kids. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about the sacrifices we make, every we worry, Mm -hmm. just all these things. And I think we get really we actually get hurt and we get we get angry when we don't get that gratitude in response. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. Well, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just not. And it's not really their job to do it. <laughs> so if we're, if we're looking to our kids to feed us mm. and tell us and build us up, we're, we're going to be lacking. Um, we, you know, the point of being the parent is we're giving to them. We're, our goal, what we're fueled with is when we see them achieve and we're able to help them see who they are and learn follow their dream and build their self-esteem, but they haven't lived our lives. They don't know right. any different. Um, so to guilt them for things that they have no knowledge of, I get why we do it because I do it too. Mm-hmm. But it's but unfair. It's kind of an unfair expectation on them. Yeah. And then they're not, then they're like, well, I don't understand why you're so mad at me. I didn't do anything and they didn't. Yeah. We're just projecting what we need from them. So in speaking about that and thinking of the questions that my son and his friends had, so here's, Mm -hmm. here's one of them. Sometimes I want to be alone and my mom nags me to spend time with her. Where can we find the middle ground? (laughs) Uh, This is a big one. That was my child, guys. That was my child. (laughs) You need to understand, or all parents need to understand is when teens during adolescence, one of the big things that they need to accomplish is autonomy. Mm. And so having their own time and just being alone and being with our friends is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we start getting hurt because we're like, you used to spend all this time with me. You wanted to spend time with me. Now you don't. And we get a little needy. Yes. And we want that (laughs) affirmation from them. And then then they push us more. They push us away more and we want more. And it just becomes this whole thing. Yeah. I think it's, back and not taking it personally Mm. is one thing I really really encourage parents to do okay because it's not that the teens don't love you they do in fact they want your approval more than ever before but they also have this task whether it's conscious or not conscious to set themselves as a unique person and identity separate from you and that requires separation Mm. they also now have have put a lot more importance on peers and that's natural yeah they need to do that they're learning who they are separate from you by engaging with peers they're starting to experiment with different sides of themselves so and even just being alone so giving them that time allowing for that time if it's hurting you and you want to spend more time rather than getting mad just saying you know i miss you i love hanging out with you would love to do something sometime, let's, you know, or just talk. Just let me know when you're ready. Yeah, I, I, I do that with my son, but he, his excuse the other day was like, Ma, you had me for almost 16 years doing everything with you. I remember you were a single parent, so we really did everything together. Go hang out with your husband. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> I'm like, but I miss my and then, I, then I'll start looking at pictures of when he was smaller. And I'm like, oh, look 
at you when you were smaller. He was like, yeah, I guess you missed that stage. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> oh, he's such a smart kid. He is. He's yeah. very smart. So another question he had, which was so funny. What types of methods do you use to help parents regain their relationship with their teens? I'm going to tell you one thing that's one of the most important things that I teach parents to learn to listen. Mm. And this is probably one of the hardest things for parents or anyone to do. We, we've learned to talk. We love to lecture. We've learned to write. We've learned to read. We don't learn to listen. No, we don't. People aren't good at it. No, we don't. And it's one of the most important communication skills you can have. And so a lot of times teens are pushing themselves away for another reason because when they're with you guys or with us i'm with me too i'm a parent too so i have the same deal um we tend to spend that time wanting to lecture to teach <laughs> to know words of wisdom yeah. to all the things that teens have no desire to hear yeah um so hanging with us just isn't as fun anymore Mm-mm. so it just isn't so to be able to teach ourselves to listen, mm-hmm. which is to be quiet, to hear what they're saying, to reflect and understand what they're saying, not spend the time figuring out what we're going to say in response, right. which is how most people listen. Um, one rule I love to share is the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. where when you're talking to your kids, have them talk for 80% of the time, and you only talk for 20% of the time. Ooh. So it's much, much smaller version. And when you do talk, use that to reflect back what you've heard and to ask questions to clarify, Mm. not to try to solve, not to try to explain or to lecture, but just to understand. And when you do that, they're going to want to talk to you so much more because you get it now Mm. and they want you to get it. So I talked, I mentor a lot of teens and I talk to them and they're very open with me because I'm not their parent. And it's amazing to me how many of them actually want a better relationship with their parents. Wow. Their complaint isn't, oh my gosh, my, I don't want my mom around. I don't want my dad around. It's, I wish I could have conversations with them where they would just listen. And the other big one is I wish they would just laugh at my jokes. Mm. We just want to have fun with them. Yeah. Just laugh. And we lose our ability to do that because we get so focused on fixing them and making sure they're doing what they need to do and making sure they're productive and we're not just loving them. Mm. That's so interesting. I, I, I'm grateful, though. I, I have the silly moments with my son and he... I'm always trying to make him laugh or dancing crazy or like in, enjoying whatever moment with him. But mm-hmm. um, the listening is key because we are so accustomed to lecturing and saying, you see, so if you didn't do this, this is the life lesson. And when you become an adult, this is not going to work for you. So you have to learn how to fix this. So I think we do too much of that and we don't take a step back to really see where's their thought process because, you know, their prefrontal cortex, their ability to even think, rationalize, and really just kind of understand matters um, is still so underdeveloped. So for them, it's just like, it's not there. And as parents, I think the struggle that I see is that there's, you, you want to treat them a little bit more mature because of their age. And it's like, you're a teenager. Um, 
but then not realizing that there's still that immaturity. And then they're also going through it as well. They want to have more freedom and independence because they know they're a teenager. Um, but then yeah. the other side of it is that fear of what does that look like? And, and am I doing right? Am I acting right? Do I look right? Um, am I accepted, not accepted, etc. So that's like right there. That's in the front of their head all the that's time. Right. And I think one of the things you really hit on too is that that acceptance. Yeah. So if you think about, it, I think a lot of a lot of us have this um, kind of idea that life is going to be tough, mm-hmm. so we want to help toughen them up. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem with that philosophy is if we're also trying to toughen them up, who's actually building them up? Mm. And there's no one. So we need to help be that person that accepts them for who they are yeah now we've gone far some people go way too far on the self-esteem you know trying to boost them about everything and I'm not saying to do it to that level Mm -hmm. it's more of a acceptance of who they are Mm -hmm. um focusing on what the person is that they're becoming rather than what they do all the time so we show that we value who they are rather than them having to produce to be valuable, you know, oh, you need an A to be valuable. You need to make the team to be valuable. No, it's, it's more, I want to see that you're putting your best effort in that makes you valuable. Um, your, your humor is valuable. The fact that you're kind is valuable. It's things like this where at home, if anybody in the world accepts them for who they are, it needs to be us. Right. Otherwise, they are not going to feel like they're valuable to anybody. So I think when we are trying to fix them, we're trying to, we're criticizing them. We're doing that from the right place, but it's giving them the wrong message. Mm. It's telling them that we don't think they're worthy as they are and they need to always be improving. And we need to balance that. Yeah. So just as, like as a parent, we know a lot of adolescents lie. They like to lie. They like to get away with things and they're sneaky. Now, I know that there are different levels of lying because, you know, depending what type of, uh, uh, if you're authoritarian, authoritative parent, then, you know, kids develop this because they're either protecting or um, just afraid of the parent's reaction. So um, when, when parents or families have kind of recognized their role as well as a parent, um, into why their child lies. Now, a parent, or I should reframe it, how, how does a parent then learn to trust their teenager if their teenager consistently lies? So it's, it's both ways. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if your teen is constantly lying, and yes, they're, I mean, teens are going to lie, adults lie, mm-hmm. we want to avoid getting into trouble, um, we're ashamed, there's a lot of reasons we lie. But if there's a constant habit of lying to the parents um, and covering up that's a sign that the connection the parent child connection is is not strong enough mm. so instead of saying i'm just going to trust you 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 need to build that trust both ways mm-hmm. um and so it's stepping back and saying how do i reconnect with my child how do i build up that trust both ways because if they're lying to me that tells me my child doesn't trust me either yeah there's definitely no trust. So how do I start building that trust? How do I start building that mutual respect between us so that we can be more open? And the best way, again, to do that is by spending time really listening, understanding, 
taking, you know, stepping back from constantly criticizing and being more, you know, affirmative and, and empowering and helpful and just talking to and saying, listen, you know, you're, I see that you are lying to me and that hurts me that you feel like you need to lie to me. Mm -hmm. Not you're lying to me. You're bad. It's, I feel bad that you feel like you have to lie to me. And that shows me that you're not trusting me. Mm. I want to make sure that you trust me so that I can trust you. Mm. So let's figure out how we do this. How do we rebuild this trust between us and be honest about it? So again, it's not, if there's a problem with your team, it's not a problem with your team. Yeah. It's a problem with your connection with your team. Yeah. So, Wow, that that just really resonated for me. So in speaking about that, can you give us maybe some five tools for teens and five tools for parents that they can use to kind of improve their relationship, communication, and just have an overall um, better functioning at home? Because when there's chaos and there's problems, it just, it's it's not helpful. (laughs) No, it's not. And it's really hard. And it ends up being a spiral. Yeah. For parents, I would say the first one is calm. Mm. It, it, you're you're not going to be able to parent effectively if you're emotionally triggered. Yeah. So being calm in the moment, and if that requires you to step away mm. before you react, that's great. That's fine. Just let them know. Just say, listen, I'm too emotional or upset right now to deal with this effectively. I need to step away. Mm-hmm. Explain to them what you're doing, too, because the other big thing is modeling. Mm. We, we kind of joke all the time, you know, kids, kids watch what you do. They copy what you do. And then parents will be like, well, why can't they copy the good stuff I do? They only copy the bad stuff I do. And the thing is, they're copying both. We just notice the bad stuff. They do. Right. Um, and we don't put enough recognition on when they do the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we laser in on the one thing they do wrong and they can do all day long. They can be doing great stuff. They do one wrong thing and that's where we go. Just really modeling the behavior we want from them mm-hmm. ourselves and recognizing when they do the behavior that is positive and reaffirming that rather than pointing out the negative. The other thing that this helps with is now they have a clearer picture of what behavior is acceptable rather than just knowing what they're not supposed to do that doesn't help me if i know what i'm not supposed to do but i still don't know what i'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. it's not always obvious so modeling that really good behavior again listen 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 (laughs) emphasize that enough yeah that is just one of the biggest tools you can and the other thing is kind of a summation of all of that is making sure that you are putting time and effort into your relationship to build it a positive relationship because when the time comes and it will many times where we have to lay down the law we have to you know get in there and and lay down rules and expectations if our relationship's not there we're not going to be effective at laying down rules they're just going to find ways to circumvent it if they trust us if they know we're there for them, then the rules we lay down, they're going to be like, I get it. Mm. I understand you're doing this for me. And they're going to be more likely to comply. Yeah. So those are really the big things for parents. For teens, 
a lot of the teenagers I talk to, the few things I talk to, tell them are, you know, A, understand that your parents are doing the best they can. What they're doing is out of love. They love you. They just don't always know the best way to express it in a way that means something to you. So just understand that. The other one is if you want to be treated as a grown-up, you need to first act like a grown-up. Yeah. So <laughs> to try, right? So to try to get your parents to respect you by throwing a fit is just not going to happen. So yeah, it's both ways. If you want your parents to start giving you more freedom, then show them that the freedom that you do have, you're being respectful of, mm-hmm. and that they can count on you. And just take small things. Ask. Let your parents know if something is upsetting you. Instead of, again, throwing a tantrum or rebelling, be clear on it and say, you know, I really need this or want this. And here's the reason why. And come with a very clear explanation of why. Mm. I think being able to argue your point is something that teens need to learn to do. And parents need to be open to hearing it but teens need to be able to present that yeah i i just have to share a funny story so my son came to me this week and he's like mom you have all these parental controls on my cell phone and i just want a little bit more freedom and i said okay so if you want a little bit more freedom um what does that freedom look like number one Two, we're going to do a trial basis of the freedom. And and he was like, well, let's try it for 30 days. I said, well, let's try it for 30 days. Then you show me that if you are being mature and that you are mature, then I can give you this free range that you're asking for with your cell phone. Um, he's like, I know what inappropriate websites are. I know what it is if people try to speak to me. And you've talked to me about this so much. And I said, but we have to find a balance though. So if you want free range on your cell phone, I can't give you free range playing video games either. So I know you're doing the um, distance learning, but I can't also allow that. And I'm sorry, you have to do things mm-hmm. that are productive. And so he, after the conversation, he was like, I've been preparing for this conversation for a few months now. He was like, I've been, I've been preparing the, for it. The way, the way you handled that though mm-hmm. is perfect because it is saying, I'm going to give you the opportunity to prove. Yeah. So being able to say, I hear you. You've got a good point. I agree. Let's figure out how you can prove to me. And then when you prove to me, I am more than willing to do that. Right. And it's being transparent because, again, our goal is to teach them. So, you know, I hear parents that go and sneak in and put all these, you know, restrictions on their phones or take their phones. Mm-hmm. And, and the kids get upset. And I don't know, understand why the kids are upset. Well, kids are upset because you went behind their back. Yeah. The kids are upset because now they don't trust you you're upset because you want to protect them but by just putting those restrictions on and not talking to your kids about them or teaching your kids how to be responsible on their self by themselves you're you're not teaching them anything mm-hmm. and you're not in the long term it's not protecting them because now eventually they're either going to be able to circumvent what you've done or eventually you're not going to be there to put those restrictions on and now they've not had the experience to make those decisions on their own. Absolutely. So while they're under our roof and we're there to help them, we've got to give them some freedom to make mistakes. Yeah. Be there to help them learn how to fix this, not fix them for them, mm-hmm. teach them how to fix them. So we're coaching them. So they're learning these skills 
that they can take them into the real world with them because we're not going to be able to follow them their whole lives and restrict them and protect them. As much as we'd like to, we can't. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the hardest things as a parent <laughs> is to sit back and watch your kids fail. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. It sucks. It is. Hard. It is. But, but if we don't, we're actually doing more damage than good. Yeah. We're not teaching them how to fail and how to come back from failure. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I have taught my son, um, a, a whole nother situation happened in the school. The teacher was upset because uh, a group that went out for lunch um, came back, I think, like two minutes late. So they all ended up getting detention. So now these are all very, very small, smart teenagers. And they were like, well, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to go to the principal and we're going to argue our point because we were two minutes late. But the other group that always goes out is always late all the time. So my son is home and he's like, mom, I have, I have, I have something to tell you. And so he's afraid to tell me that he had detention. And of course, because probably my reaction would have been like, what the hell? But I, I trust my son and I know what I would believe is, is, is his behavior because you know your child and what I won't believe. So he had his friend, his one of his best friends on three-way and was like, oh, so let me explain to you what happened. And they're telling me the whole story. So my son, I guess, was expecting some other reaction. And all I told him was like, why don't you speak to your teacher? Or speak to your guidance counselor and you have that conversation. He's like, so you're not calling? No, this was your problem. You got there late. That's for you to solve. It's not for me. He's like, yeah. I'm not in trouble because I have detention. I said, you I, you have a valid point. You have a valid reason. I think the teacher probably was in a cranky mood or something. That's not a reason to give someone detention. But you don't know the story behind why she did it. So unless you have a conversation with her, then, you know, you, you won't know, but it works sometimes for him. And in other times he feels like he can't, um, he doesn't want the overreaction. So he, I, I had seen a group chat that his friends had sent and he's in a pre predominantly white school. And mm -hmm. there were like a few black and brown kids on that group chat. And some people were saying the most offensive things to this girl. And they were like, um, you're, you're Indian. She's like, I'm from Pakistan, whatever it was. Like I'm this, he was like, so what? You're still a minority. So I had read the thread and I was completely offended. And I'm like, you guys who are the kids of color didn't jump in to defend her. But I also brought it up to the principal's attention. Cause I was just like, this cannot happen. This cannot be where a group of kids are, um, making this person feel bad. And I had to model that for my son that you have to kind of number one, step up for some people and two try not feel like you're, you don't want to rock the boat. And not that I'm trying to have like a freedom fighter or whatever, what, whatever my son's personality is his personality. But I also want him to learn that it's okay to stand up for someone and not sit back and take it. And, um, I think his thing is just like, well, I don't want to tell my mom certain things cause she's going to make me go say something. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's either, I don't know what, how my parents are going to react if they're going to get angry at mm -hmm. me. A lot of kids don't want to upset you or disappoint you right um and that's why they won't tell you either because they'll be like oh i think they're disappointed in me yeah. um so there's reasons why or my parents are already so stressed i don't want to stress them out more i hear that a lot yeah surprisingly like they are seriously not doing it not to get out into trouble or to stay out of trouble they just really are so worried about their parents and how stressed out they are. And I don't think you know, we know that as a parent. I think that's great that you said that because I don't think we realize that. I think we focus too much on the behavior and we're like, yeah. they're sneaky, they're lying, they're doing this without knowing the real reason behind it. 
Listen. listen. I know. I was just going to say that. This is why you say to listen. <laughs> yeah. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Once they start learning that you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt and you're going to listen to them, that helps a lot. And I'm not saying kids aren't going to lie. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's understanding why they're lying, though, not the lie itself. Right. right? It's getting beyond that. If it's a con- if it's a constant problem, instead of constantly dealing by issue by issue by issue and it happens, it's going, okay, something's going on here that's deeper than this that we need to understand. Mm-hmm. And again, nine times nine times out of ten, it's your connection, it's your relationship with them. Mm. And it's learning how to how to re-strengthen and rebuild that. That makes a whole lot of sense. So Dr. Cam, you gave us so many good knowledge nuggets and especially I'm being the selfish one here, like, oh my God, yeah, these are are great tools and techniques. Um, Because like we were talking about, you could be in the field, not in the field. And it's, you know, when it comes to your own family, things go out the door. But I know you have on your website, you offer some free knowledge nuggets for parents, but also you offer your coaching. So tell people where they can kind of find this information, um, get continued support from you um, while they're struggling with their teenagers. And, Absolutely. you know, we don't have to so have some bail money. DrCamConsulting.com, DrCamConsulting.com. And I do, I have, if you do slash challenge, I have a free four day mini challenge that walks you through four techniques. So we talk about the technique of listening and I give you a lot more tips on how to do that. Staying calm, several different techniques that will actually help. I think particularly now that so many of us are at home with our teens, it's a great opportunity to rebuild. I actually see this, I, I think people like give me dirty looks when I say this, but I actually think this is a really good um, opportunity for a lot of parents with teenagers to now that we kind of are slowing down, we're not rushing from activity to activity. Our kids are stuck with us. We have a chance to actually rebuild that connection right now. Yes. So it's an amazing opportunity for us that I would love for parents to take advantage of. So I offer coaching right now. I'm doing most of it virtually. Of course. So <laughs> So anywhere mm-hmm. they can they can call me, um, and all that information is on my website. That is amazing, Dr. Cam. Um, thank you. You've provided amazing knowledge nuggets. Listen. <laughs> First things for is listen and work on that connection, right? Yeah, and for parents, forget about this distance learning stress. Focus on the relationship and listen. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Cam. I thank am you. so excited um, when this er- episode airs, but just you you kind of refreshed my mommy mojo in parenting a teenager because this week I tell you, I was like, if I don't sell you on Etsy. <laughs> well, and the thing is, when parents finally get that connection, they're going to realize their kids are awesome. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, again, I, I mentor teens and they're some of the most amazing, passionate compassionate people I've ever met. Absolutely. And I'll talk to the same, the parents of the same teens that are struggling with them. I'm like, I don't understand. It's yeah. so amazing. How, how is that? But it's that the connection, connection the connection between parents and kids. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Cam. And thank yeah, you guys so. for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Beauteous Me podcast. Please be sure to download new episodes every week. And send us your girl, what were you thinking or asking for friend stories to info at IamBeauteousMe.com. All entries remain anonymous. 
Also, don't, 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 don't forget to rate, review, and hit the subscribe button now.